Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. If you have your Bible open there to the book of Psalms, uh, oftentimes in the book of Psalms, you'll look up at the top of the Psalms and you'll see a little uh, few words there that indicate who wrote the Psalm or what was the situation there or who it was written for or who it was delivered to. Just a few little words that might introduce the Psalm. Here in Psalm 105, we do not have those words, but uh, if you read in the book of First Chronicles, there is a situation where David is uh, giving this psalm to Asaph, and the psalm that is there matches up uh, about the first third or first half of this psalm. And so I think it's a good conclusion for us to think that this psalm was written by David. And not just that it was written by David, but that it was written at a very particular time. And if you know your Old Testament history, you'll know that David was the king of Israel. He was the second king of Israel, and uh, that was a good thing. That was a good thing for David. That was a good thing for the nation because, uh, as we might say it in these days, we might say that things were not going so well under the previous administration. And uh, King Saul, the first king, I mean, he was great at the very beginning, but wow, did he leave the Lord and he did not listen to God. He did not obey the Lord and God soon rejected him from being the leader of his people and the leader of that nation and God anointed David. And uh, David then later became king, which was great. And he was doing some wonderful things for the nation. He was following the Lord and God was blessing him and God was blessing the people. God was blessing the nation. And uh, soon things were being established before the Philistines were invading the kingdom and taking land and taking over cities and conquering uh, sections of their nation. Now David is able to push back some of those that had come in and, and things are going really well. And he's really establishing the kingdom. He's established the capital city. He's established a, a home there and he's establishing things there in the nation. But there is one thing that is missing in this establishment or re-establishment of the nation. See, what had happened under King Saul was that King Saul had decided, I'm not gonna listen to God anymore. I I'm just gonna do my own thing out of fear and lack of faith in the Lord. And, and uh, he was suffering defeats at the hand of the Philistines. And so he thought, you know what, we really need to do something to turn this thing around. And so what he decided to do was he took the Ark of the Covenant and he brought it out into the battlefield. He thought, you know what, God's not blessing us, but if we take something of God's and put it there in the middle of the camp, then we'll have some victory. Now, of course, that's a ridiculous assumption that if we would disobey the Lord, that somehow bringing something of God in our presence would suddenly make all things well. It would be like somebody who was, you know, disobeying the word of God. They were rejecting the Lord and not listening and not obeying, but somehow wearing a cross necklace somehow makes them, you know, all right with God. Of course, we would understand the hypocrisy there. We would understand that's, that's not how that would uh, work, and that's not how it worked for Saul. And Saul lost the battle, and he lost the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there's a long story, but eventually it got returned back to Israel, but not back to where it belonged. It was sitting in the, in the home uh, there of one of the people for a long time. And David said, you know what? It's time to bring it back. And so there's a number of chapters that deal with the situation, but long story short, 
David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to where it belongs, back with the tabernacle, back where the worship was. And it was on that day that this psalm was delivered unto Asaph. It was on a great day of wonderful rejoicing. Everybody is congregating together. Everybody is praising God. Everybody's thinking about how God is so good and, and God has done some wonderful things. And praise the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant is back where it belongs. And we're thankful for what's going on in our nation. And, and uh, David is glad. The people are glad. There's a great victory that is going on. And it is in this time that David delivers this psalm. And he begins the psalm by saying, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. He said, this is a wonderful day of blessings. Let us thank the Lord for his blessings. And we can be thankful today because God is good. Amen. And God is good to me and God is good to you. God has been good all throughout our lives in many ways and in things that we can easily overlook. And so David here goes through this psalm and he gives us three steps of thanksgiving. And I want to take a look at these three steps of thanksgiving because I think they're all very important. The first step of thanksgiving is thanksgiving develops from acknowledging the goodness of God. In verse number five, he says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. You know why David said to remember the marvelous works of God? You know why he said that? Because we all know ourselves, we're good at forgetting things. We're good at not remembering things. We're good at saying that was good, and then it's out of our mind, and we're on to the next thing. And, and David says, hey, let's take a moment here, and let's stop, and let's actually remember. Let's stop and think about how good God has been to us. And remember that God is good because our thanksgiving does not depend on whether God has been good to us. Our thanksgiving depends on whether we acknowledge that God has been good to us. Because every good and perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Now it's good for us to remember because it's easy for us to focus on our problems. It's easy to focus on the negative things. It's easy to focus on the things that we don't have, to focus on the things that, that we think we should have or the things that we're going to have. And that often robs us of the joy of thanksgiving because it takes our eyes off of the goodness of God. If you have uh, kids in your home, and uh, I, have, I have three kids, and uh, if I give one of my kids uh, a pound of candy, just this giant jar of candy, she's gonna be so excited. This is more candy than she's had in her whole life and she's gonna be thrilled until I give her sister two pounds of candy. Then suddenly they're thinking, oh, I, I'm discontent with what I have because somebody else has more. And it's not that I was not giving something to one of my children. It's that we are so easily discontented and forget about the goodness of God and think about how somebody else has this and somebody else has more. And so God tells us, hey, let's bring our eyes back to the Lord and remember the goodness of God, the full goodness of God. And David is going to do that. And for David to explain the full goodness of God, he's got to go back. 
in time. And not just a little bit back in time, not just last year, not just 10 years ago, not just 50 years ago. He's going to go all the way back to Abraham and say, we have experienced the goodness of God beginning in Abraham hundreds of years ago. God was good to Abraham. And David says, we are here today because God was good to Abraham. Verse number six. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are all in the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance." So David goes back and he says, Let, let's go back to the very beginning and remember the full goodness of God. And God had made a promise to Abraham that he would deliver this land unto the people. And he made that promise unto Isaac and he reiterated it unto Jacob. And he said, this is a promise that I am giving to you that I will give you this land. And that was a promise so many years ago. Now, Abraham did not get to fully experience it. He got to the land, of course, but he did not get to live in a, he did not inherit a palace there. He did not inherit some great capital city. He went there and he continued to live in tents for the rest of his years. And so did Isaac and so did Jacob. But God had been good to them. And it's because of that promise and the goodness of God to Abraham that they were able to experience the goodness of God. In verse number 12, he says, when they were but a few in number, Yea, very few and strangers in it. He says, it's not like God kind of jumped on when everything was good. You know, in sports, there's a phrase called a bandwagon fan. And a bandwagon fan is somebody who, whenever the team is winning, suddenly they're putting on the jersey and posting things about the team. Hey, we got to win today. And they begin to follow the sport and they begin to keep up with the scores and begin to talk about those things. But then when the, when the team isn't doing so well, the, the, the jersey gets put away. They don't really talk about it so much. They don't even really know what's going on. But, but when things are going well, you know, they're, they're all on board with that. And, you know, we have all seen things like that. But God is not a bandwagon fan waiting for things to go well and then jumping in. God says, I was there when you were few, when you were weak, when you had little. I was there for you. And I provided for you and I helped you. And I don't forget that when they were few in number and strangers in the land, when people would have said, Abraham, Abraham, who? Who are you? I don't know who you are. And uh, when they were in that kind of a situation, God had been good to them. In verse 13, he says, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, when they were wandering around here and there, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land and he broke the whole staff of bread. He, when, when they were there in the land and when they were uh, wandering through this city and that city and this place and that place, when there were plenty of opportunities for the people to do them harm, God says, you're not allowed to touch them. And God had protected them when they were weak. Verse number 17. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. 
He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. So what, what, what is uh, going on here? God is continuing to help his people to understand, this is how good I am to you. And the situation was there was going to be a great famine in the land, so great for seven years that it would consume everything. Everybody would be brought poor. And God knew that the famine was coming, so he prepared a man, and his name was Joseph. He prepared Joseph, one of the sons, and if you remember the story, Joseph had 11 brothers, and not one of them liked him. They all hated him. He was the favorite of the father, of course, and nobody liked him for that. Joseph had some dreams from the Lord about what would happen in his life and what would happen in his family, and they hated him even more for that, and they sold him into slavery. This man that God had prepared to help deliver them, they had treated him this way, and he had been sold into slavery, went into Egypt, and long story short, God worked in a miraculous way so that he would be in control of the kingdom next to Pharaoh. And so he prepared the people and he prepared the land so that they would have food for these seven years of famine. Years before the famine even came, God knew it was coming and God had prepared a way for them to survive. When they had no idea what would come their way, when they had no idea how they would deal with the situation, God prepared provision for them. David is saying, do you remember that? Do you remember how good God was to us? Do you remember how God helped us and God prepared us in order to be able to go to Egypt, to be able to survive through the famine? Well, in verse number 26, he continues. I'm sorry, in verse number 24, and he increases people greatly and made them stranger, made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal subtly with his servants. And he sent Moses his servant and Aaron, whom he had chosen, they showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. So you remember the story. The children of Israel were there in Egypt. They were doing well until the next Pharaoh came along and he said, these people are a threat. And so they put them in bondage and they were in slavery for decades and decades and years and years until God decided to deliver them. And he delivered them by giving them Moses. Moses was sent and there were the 10 plagues. You remember the plagues? He writes about them here in verse 28. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance. In the chambers of their kings he spake, and there came diverse sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also and their fig trees and brake the trees of their coasts. He spake, and the locusts came and caterpillars and that without number, and did eat up all the herbs of, uh, uh, in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. And he smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. So what is God doing here? What God is doing is he's saying, you need to let my people go. The Pharaoh refused. And so what, what God said is, I'm going to bring you 10 plagues. And so he brought plagues upon the land. There was the, the darkness. There was the flies. There was the frogs. There was the hail. There was uh, the death of the firstborn. There were all of these things in order that finally they would be able to go free from the land. And, and David's saying, do you remember how good God was to you? Do you remember how good God had been to deliver us from that, to, to give us the plagues, to send us to this man Moses in order that we might be free? Verse 37, he brought them also uh, forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. He said, not only did he make you free, he gave you a lot of money to go. 
Verse 38, Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. I mean, this is how good God was. God said, not only am I going to free you, everybody's going to be happy about it. The children of Israel said, I am happy to be out of Egypt. You know what all the Egyptians said? They said, I am happy they are out of Egypt. Everybody was happy in this situation. And uh, he continues in verse 39. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. Without God, they would have been lost in the desert. Verse number 40, the people asked and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven every single day, six days a week. For 40 years, God provided food for them on a daily basis. Without God, they would have died of hunger in the desert. In verse 41, he opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran uh, in the dry places like a river. Without God, they would have died of thirst in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. So David is going back through this whole history lesson to remind the people we should thank God because God has been good. And to really see the fullness of God, we've got to go all the way back in order to see the full goodness of God. And it would do us well to go all the way back and think about the goodness of God. Sometimes we can live too much in the moment. What are the things that I have right now? But so many times we forget the reason why we can have those things is because what God has done to us in the past what God has done for us in the past. Even before we were even born, God sent individuals in, into the church to preach the gospel so that they might lead somebody to the Lord. And maybe it was a parent that led you to the Lord. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a pastor. Uh, th those uh, individuals were prepared years before you even got to that place where you heard the gospel for the first time. And he delivered his people with a very specific purpose. Verse 43. And he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness and gave them the lands of the heathen and they inherited the labor of the people. Verse 45, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise you the Lord. You know what God is saying here? He's saying, I did all of this for you so that you might obey the word of God. Now, that's not the conclusion that a lot of people might come to in terms of, well, God has been good. We should be thankful and move on. But what God here is saying is, I want you, if you look in verse number 43, I want you to have joy and I want you to have gladness. You know how you're going to get the blessings of God? By obeying his word by being obedient to the word of God, by being obedient to what I said. That's why I said it to you. God is saying, I've given to you my word because I want the best for you. And so if you will simply do as I ask, then you will have the blessings of God. Go all the way back to the very beginning and Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve? They were given one law. One law that said, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One law. If you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's going to happen? You will die. So you know what God is saying? What God is saying is, if you will obey, there is life and blessings. If you will disobey, disobey there will be death and a curse. And God is saying, I want the best for you. That's why I do what I do and giving you my word. And that's what God is telling to us as well. 
For us to be thankful, to really have this full thanksgiving that God desires of us, we've got to go back and look back on the blessings of God. And if we, if we all individually go back in our own personal lives, we would all have different lists. A different list of the things that we could be thankful to God for. And mine might go something like this. I'm thankful that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that I might be saved. And that happened thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago, God knew that I would be born, and God knew that I would be a sinner, and God knew that I needed a Savior, and so he sent his son years ago so that I might be saved. Not only that, God prepared my family. Uh, my, my dad has a testimony about how he got saved, and he got saved when I was very, very young, and I, I'm thankful for all that God did in the heart of my dad in order to move him to see there is something and I need to know how I can be saved. And he went here and he went there and ultimately he found the gospel and trusted Christ as a savior. And because of what God did there, I was able to grow up in a home where I was able to hear the word of God, hear the gospel, be around people that live the word of God in their lives and poured out themselves in service to me when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, so that I might be saved. I'm thankful that I had a pastor that was faithful and went all the way up into the Seattle area and planted a church so many years ago and, and was faithful through the tough times and the, the ups and downs of ministry. And I'm glad that he was faithful through disappointment and persecution so that, that I might have a church where I could attend and go to hear the gospel and be saved. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that God gave to me my wife and we've been uh, married now. Now, uh, next year will be 10 years, and I'm thankful for my wife that we get to live this life together for better or for worse and for richer or for poorer. I'm glad for my kids, and I'm glad for my church that I get to serve here in this place. I get to have a body of believers. I get to be a member of the body of Christ. And you can go back and think about all these things and all the way down to the little details. And I, I hope that one of these days over the next several days uh, throughout the week that you'll spend some time and go back, maybe even write down all of the blessings of God. Not just the, the obvious things, but really think and go down deep and really go back and, and think about, okay, how did I get saved? Oh, there was a man that planted a church or there was a brother that lived uh, according to the word of God and, and who led him to the Lord and somebody was faithful there and, and uh, go as far back as you can and and I think that would be good for us in in 2023 to look back on this year to look back on previous years on the goodness of God so if we're going to have this thankful spirit it begins with let's remember and acknowledge the full goodness of God to us and that's a wonderful thing and that's, I think, what a lot of people do on Thanksgiving. A lot of people have this tradition of, hey, let's go around and talk about what we're thankful for. And you might have some of those uh, things and some of those moments uh, uh, throughout the, the, the week and uh, maybe especially on Thanksgiving Day. And that's where Thanksgiving ends for most people. They stop, they look around, they think about, oh, this is a blessing in my life and I'm thankful for that. And that's good and that's wonderful but David actually gives two more steps beyond this one in Thanksgiving. According to this chapter, there's two more things that we need to do to have this fullness of Thanksgiving. And David is exhorting the people, look back on the goodness of God. God chose you when you were nobody. God delivered you. God protected, for you, uh, protected you, provided for you. And that developed some thanksgiving in their hearts. 
But there's something else that David wanted them to do. Point number two. Thanksgiving drives us to abide in the goodness of God. In verse number three, he says, Glory ye in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. So we saw that David said, God has been good to us. And if we were all to stop and think, we would all acknowledge, yes, God has been good to us. And what David is saying is, if God has been good to you, determine that you will stay close to God. That's the second part of Thanksgiving. Look back on all the blessings of God and say, I'm saved because God is good. And I'm here as a member of this church because God is good. And I have the blessings in my life because God is good. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Why would I ever leave the source of blessings and goodness? And so Thanksgiving is not just looking back and saying, oh yeah, God's been good, and I feel good about that. It's also determining I want to stay in the goodness of God. And I want to continue to receive the blessings of God. And Thanksgiving should cause us to look back and say, you know what? There's been some wonderful blessings in my life. That's why I'm here today, where I am, rejoicing in the Lord. But not only do I want to look back, I want to look forward and say, you know what? I want more of that blessing. I want more of the goodness of God. And it should drive us to that. If you've ever gone to a restaurant and you thought, wow, this is the best restaurant I've ever been to, hopefully your thought is, one day I'm going to come back. Not, well, that was really good. Oh, that's too bad because I'm never coming back here again. No, you would think, you know what? That was great. That was awesome. I'm coming back again. I'm going to, you know, and uh, I recently went to a restaurant and never been to the restaurant before. And I thought, wow, this is really great. And I, I, you know, I told my wife, wow, this is really good. And that's really good. And that's really good. And so, you know what I said? I said, let's come back here again. And so we came back again and we had uh, some of the same food and some different food. And I was like, that's really good. And this is really good. And that's really good. Everything here is really, really good. You know what I said? We should come back here again. You know what? That's what the goodness of God should do to all of us believers. To think, you know what? God has been good. God's been really, really good. And you know what? I'm going to go back to God. And when you go back to God, you say, you know what? God's been really, really good. You know what? I want to go back to God again and stay with God and follow God and continue with God. Uh, you, you all know that uh, when I first moved here to California, uh, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you the story again. But when I came here, I moved in October. And uh, my very first Thanksgiving here, I went down to San Diego with my brother-in-law. So my family and my brother-in-law's family, we went down to San Diego. And we, uh, coming from the East Coast, uh, coming from New Jersey, uh, we came here to Southern California and said, you know what, we need to eat some good tacos. And uh, so we were looking for some good tacos. We were asking people, where are the good tacos? Find us some good tacos. And uh, my brother-in-law said, oh, you know, we got to go to this place. And so on Thanksgiving Day, we went down to this place. And I'm going to give you the name. It's Tacos El Gordo. And uh, we went down there and we were like, wow, this is what tacos are really all about. And we had some really good tacos. And you know what? The next year, we were thinking about what should we do for Thanksgiving? You know what we thought? We should go back. <laughs> and so we went back. And last year... We went down to San Diego, and we went back, and we went there again. This year, I don't think we got some different circumstances, but I think about that every Thanksgiving. I think, man, those tacos were so good. Man, they were so good. I wonder if they're still that good. And every time I go back, I think, yeah, they're still so good. 
We should come back here again. And uh, we've been there a number of times. And it's, uh, you know, if you don't go on Thanksgiving Day, the lines are really long and it's really popular. But we go on Thanksgiving Day. There's not really that many people, and we really get to enjoy it, and it's awesome, and it's great, and every time we go back, we think, man, this is awesome, this is great. And when you experience the goodness of God, hopefully it drives into your heart, you know what, I, I got to go back. I want some more of that blessing. I want some more of the goodness of God. I, I want to stay with God. I don't, I don't want to leave God. Why would I leave God? That, that's where the blessings are. That's where the goodness is. I want to be faithful to God. I want to stay close to God. I want to have all that God has for me. And so Thanksgiving should not just be a reflection on, yeah, God's been good to me. I have this thing in my life. I have this relationship. I have these opportunities in my life. Those are all great and wonderful, but it should drive us back to the same God that gave you all of the blessings, all of the opportunities, all of the relationships, all of the things that you have in your life and thanksgiving should begin with us thinking you know what god has been so good and i'm so thankful and determine today i'm gonna stay with that god and tomorrow i'm gonna stay with that god that's what he says there in verse number three glory ye in his name let the heart of them rejoice that seek the lord seek the lord and his strength seek his face evermore you know what David is saying? Three, three times in these two verses, you know what he said? Seek the Lord. Seek God. You know why? Because God's been good. Because God's given us blessings. Seek him. Seek him until you find him. Seek him until you receive the blessing. Hold on to him. Follow him. Do, do, do what God asks you to do so that you might receive the blessing of God. So that's the second step of thanksgiving. That's probably one step beyond what most people do on Thanksgiving Day. Most people will take a moment to, to be thankful for, I'm thankful for my job, I'm thankful for my home, I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for all the different uh, wonderful blessings in your life. The second step for us is not just to think, you know what, God's been good, but I want God to continue to be good, so I'm going to stay with the Lord. But there's one more step beyond that in thanksgiving here in psalm 105 in verse number one it says oh give thanks unto the lord and call upon his name then what does it say make known his deeds among the people thanksgiving also declares to your audience the goodness of god because there's no monopoly on the goodness of God. There's no special grace that God gives to some and not to others. Every single person is eligible for the blessings of God, for the grace of God, for the goodness of God. God even says himself, for there is no respect of persons with God. Every single one of you can have the full blessings of God on your life. And every single one of you can have the full goodness of God in your life. And thanksgiving should drive us to think, God's been good to me, I want God to continue to be good to me, and I want God to be good to you. That's what thanksgiving does. Not just that I want God's blessings on my life, but I want God's blessings on your life too. Let me tell you about the blessings of God. Let me tell you about the good things in my life. And you know what David is saying? He's saying, let people know the blessings of God in your life so that they might know there's a wonderful, good God that wants to give blessings. 
you know, when I go online and uh, I'm looking for a restaurant, I'm looking for a place to stay, I do what everybody else does. We go look for the reviews, right? You look for a restaurant, you look at the reviews. And uh, I had a friend in New Jersey, what he would do is he would uh, search for something and then he would sort by most reviewed. And you would see the places where people didn't just, you know, uh, their five, the owner's five friends all gave five stars, you know, and uh, those are the only reviews on there. You know, there's thousands of people that have come and reviewed and, and uh, left good reviews. And so he, he, he told me, that, that's how I search for things. I thought, that kind of makes sense, you know. And uh, you sort based on, you know, how good the reviews are. And so, you know, when you're looking for a vacation place, you're on Airbnb or something, you know, you look at the reviews. When you're looking at a restaurant, you look at the reviews. And, and uh, whenever you do that, there's two potential bad signs for a restaurant. The first one is, of course, bad reviews. If there are bad reviews, instantly in your mind, what do you think? I'm going to stay away. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right? So if you see a place that's got like one star out of five or two stars out of five, instantly you think, let's go find another place. The second bad sign is if there are no reviews, because if there are no reviews, you kind of think like, how come there are no reviews? Does nobody go there? Uh, is, is this good? Is it bad? You don't know what to expect. Is it new? Maybe it's new. Maybe it is really good, but nobody's been there yet. I'm going to let somebody else go there and find out first whether it's good. And then if they say it's good, then I'll go, you know? And so if there's bad reviews, obviously you think, ah, you know what? Maybe I'll stay away. And if there are no reviews, you also think, maybe I'll stay away. Either of those is bad for the business. And how many times have you had somebody ask you to leave a review? You ever stay at an Airbnb? You stay at the Airbnb and then afterwards, what do they do? They send you a message and they ask you, can you leave us a five-star review? You know? And uh, it's totally up to you, but they ask you, hey, will you leave us a good review? That'll really help us or whatever, things like that. Will you, will you leave us a good review? Sometimes you go to a new restaurant. They're trying to let people know about the restaurant, get people to come back. Hey, if you leave us a good review online, we'll give you a coupon the next time you come in. Or uh, if you go on Amazon, I've even ordered things on Amazon and I'll get the thing. And inside the product is a little card that says, if you leave us a review, we'll give you a $5 Amazon gift card and things like that. They really want good reviews. Because they know no reviews is no good, and bad reviews is also no good. And you know what David is trying to tell his people? He's saying, leave a good review for God. Let somebody know, this God I serve is good. This God I serve is a blessing. You could go to this God. You should find this God. You should listen to this God. You should obey this God, because this God is good. This God's giving me blessings. Let me tell you about my last experience with God. Let me tell you about the blessings of God. Let me tell you about the answers of God in my prayer, to my prayers. And, and the Thanksgiving is, first of all, about thinking back and looking and saying, you know what? God's been good to me in my life, in the past. That's why I'm here today. I want to continue to have the blessings and goodness of my in my life. So I'm going to be faithful to the Lord and I'm going to make that commitment. But not only that, I don't want to just hoard the blessings of God for myself. I want every one of you to have the blessings of God because God's blessings are for everyone. They're not just for a few. They are for all. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what? Salvation is not for a few. Salvation is for all. Getting cleansing of your sin is not just for a few select. It's for everyone. 
everyone can be saved. Everyone can have their sins forgiven. Everyone can have a relationship with God. Everyone can know 100% sure that they're on their way to heaven. Everyone can be saved. All you must do is acknowledge that you're a sinner. You've broken the law of God. That you've disobeyed God's word. That you've gone your own way. You've left the Lord. Now you are lost. Now you are in sin. The wages of sin is death. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God says, I love you so much even though you're the one that left and you're the one that went your own way and you're the one that decided you had something better in your life. I want to save you from your sins. So I sent my son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that everyone could be saved. Salvation is for everyone. The church is for everyone that is saved. Every believer should have a church. And there's a church for every believer. And uh, there's no secret ingredients that some believers have. Oh, this is how you get the blessings of God. And other people don't know it. It's not like the Coca-Cola formula where only a few people know what the formula is. All right? Anybody can have access to the full blessings of God because Jesus gave us a way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And here's what David is saying. Imagine all the festivities there on that day. The ark is coming back. There's a big celebration. Everybody is rejoicing. And David gives this psalm to the song leader, if you will. And he says, I want to sing this song. And he says, I want to sing this song because I'm so thankful. God has been good to me. And God has brought our nation to a wonderful place. But let us not have the blessing stop here. Let us continue to have the blessings in the future. Let us continue to seek the Lord. And let's tell other people about how good God has been to me. So throughout this week, as we head into Thanksgiving, I hope that we'll be mindful of all of these things. Number one, God has been good to me. Number two, I want to continue to see the goodness of God in my life. I'm going to continue to seek the Lord. I'm going to continue to follow God. And number three, I don't want God to just be good for me. I want God to be good to others. I'm going to let somebody know God has been good to me.